Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. Good morning, church. Welcome. So happy to be coming to you this morning. My name is Justin. I'm one of the leaders here at C3 Church, and I'm privileged to be closing off our series C with the final part today. If you've missed any of the series so far, you can, of course, go to any podcast platform and give a listen to the messages. I encourage you to do so. It's been a great series so far. And uh, so really pleased to be able to finish it off today, hopefully on a high for all of you. Well, we've been introduced to these faith initiatives in the past few weeks. We just heard from Pastor Quinton. Last week, we heard from Pastor Matthew that was sharing one of our visions is to plant a church in, in Lund, to start Sea Free Lund. And this is massive for our church. It's something we've been talking about for a few years now. And we're really pleased to send Pastor Matthew and Christelle to, to plant that church. But this is something that we're going to do together. This is a faith step for all of us. So all of these initiatives that we're going to be hearing about in the next few weeks, there's a few more to come. They're all a step of faith. And that is really what we've been speaking about in this past series. And last week, I, I thought it was really awesome that we got to hear a little bit about Pastor Quinton and Susan's experience in planting this church and how inconvenient it was for them that they, they didn't come with any guarantees. They didn't know how it was going to end up. They just came with a commitment to a dream and they were convinced of God's faithfulness. And so that was really enough for them to just take that first step without knowing where it might lead to, that it would lead to what some 12 years later, where we are today as a church, ready to plan a second location. So with all of these faith steps that we're gonna be talking about and taking this year as a church, we always have no real idea of where it's gonna end up. We only really know the first or second steps. And that's really what Pastor Phil was really painting the picture for us last week when he was sharing on that, that clip that we showed you, that we only need the faith for the first steps, the steps that we can see. You know, just as Pastor Quinton was just unpacking for us last week about that whole scripture, that the word is a lamp unto our feet, it's a, a lamp unto the path in front of us. It's not a spotlight. It doesn't show you the whole way. It doesn't show you where things are going to end up. It, it just reveals what you are to do next, those first few steps. And so it's all about being faithful in taking those first steps. And that is what God is challenging us in these faith initiatives to collectively take those first steps, whether it's starting location in Lund or saving for our future or this digital ministry that we want to start up. All of these different initiatives with City Hearts, all of these things is about these small first steps. And what Pastor Phil was really just emphasizing to us is that we need to maintain a momentum in our faith, that our faith needs to be moving. It needs to have some action wheels to it, but that we don't always need to know the next steps. And that's the exciting journey of faith that God has called each and every one of us to. Well, in this final part of this series, see, I was reflecting on what I see for our part of the world. And I'm talking about the city of Malmo that I live in, the city of Lund that we're about to plant a church in, and this region and this nation for that matter. And there's a lot of interesting things I could say. And just to kind of summarize up, just kind of my feeling of the temperature of how things are, I would have to say we're in a really interesting, what many people call a post-Christian cultural moment. And there's a lot of things at play. There's a lot of 
worldviews, there's a lot of ideas particularly prevalent in our part of the world in Sweden. We are kind of the epitome of kind of the Western world in many ways, where you have the scientific materialism that rejects the idea of a creator, of a god. In the, and even though the fact today that most serious scientists kind of can't really defend that position, yet the average Joe, so I'm not talking about Joe Halstead, obviously, because he's not average at all, but the average person, should I say, they don't even ask the obvious question of, well, okay, but who did start all of this thing? Where do we come from? So there's kind of an indifference to the big questions in life that many of us Christians reflect on quite regularly. But you also see at play in our culture this, this whole relativism that where nothing can claim absolute truth. And so the idea of religion is kind of rejected for in that respect also, but that everything should be tolerated. And so there's a real, there's an openness to the spiritual things. And you see that with people embracing like Eastern mysticism and you know, things like yoga and mindfulness, and, and that can evolve into much more deeper spiritual things, of course. So everything's cool, apart from often Christianity, unfortunately, in our culture. And we're seeing that in Sweden. If I was just to kind of reflect and, and do a bit of a Karl Barth moment here where I'm, I'm holding my Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other, and just to kind of see what, what I'm seeing going on in society is you see like the fundamental institutes in Sweden of the family, the school, the church, kind of just the, the foundations of our society that took their meaning and place from a basic Christian worldview that was shaped by our Protestant history. All of this is, is, is being rewritten. People are trying to change things up and question things and is undermining our traditional outlook as a nation. And we're not alone in this. It's happening in many different nations. Even the nation, my birth nation of Great Britain is going through a similar trend. I mean, if you just look at the Swedish church as an example, they're having a really difficult time. They're having to abandon any position that is against the current popular worldview. And as a result, I think the challenge to us as Christians is that we need to learn, or in, indeed we need to relearn, how to be creative and faithful minorities in our own country. Because, see, see, we live in a world that thinks they have all the answers, but they clearly have no real solutions. There's broken homes, there's crime rates rising, there's political unrest, there's social unrest, there's a climate crisis, there's economic turmoil. I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Everything that could be going wrong seems to be going wrong at some point or another. And I'm sorry to paint a bleak picture. That, that's not really my purpose for this morning. But all of this often gets me in a place of kind of exhaustion quite often, if I, even when I think about these things or I open up the news or Twitter in my case. And at times I can feel hopeless. And, it, and it's at those times that I come back to the essence of my message from a few weeks ago that I shared. And this is my conviction that the local church is the hope of the world. That's really my belief. We are to be the carriers of his truth in our societies, to be the extension of his love to our world, to stand in the gap and to contend for our nation, for our region, for our cities, for everything wrong that we see going on, all of the problems that we are facing. I believe the church is, is the answer. Amen. So the four initiatives that we have for 2021, they're all about us taking steps to meet the needs that we can so clearly see around us. We are meeting the needs that we see. We want to be a city on a hill in a dark time, to establish new contact points between a lost world and his grace.
to expand the area of influence for his kingdom. Amen. So that might seem like lofty aspirations that I'm just using a lot of buzzwords maybe, but I mean, especially when you consider the the relatively humble first steps that we're looking to take this year. Um, But I can liken our situation to that of the disciples in the time that they were with Jesus. You see, because they were a minority in a lost world too. They were pinning their hopes on this Messiah who had come into the world and just given them so much excitement and so much uh, dreams of what might be, that, they were, that this Messiah, their, their king, their leader, would do something to overthrow this ungodly regime that they were under and rid their world of all of the problems they could see. Because I can tell you that back then they had just as much, if not worse, problems than we have today. This is just something throughout history that mankind has had to deal with. There's always going to be challenges in our day, and we're no different in that. But Jesus, he had other ideas of how he would bring about change. See, he wasn't interested in winning the political or popularity game, which they were disappointed about, of course, but winning over something much closer to home for the disciples. So this morning, I want us to take a look at a few parables of Jesus which I believe as, that serve as an encouragement to us all. So I want you, if you have your Bibles with you, to turn with me to Luke 13, 18 to 21. It's the parables, the parables of the mustard seed and the yeast. It says here, so then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Again, he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. What we have here is two parables with the same message. In the first, he likens his kingdom of God to a man taking a mustard seed, which is really, really small. That's the key thing there. It's a small seed. And planting it in his garden and watching it grow. Interesting. Take something really small, plant it in your garden and watch it grow to something really big, a tree. Not a small bush, but one that supports and attracts birds to it. Not getting it? Okay, well, that's all right, because Jesus had to give us one more. And this time, a woman this time. So way to be representative, Jesus. Good one. He takes a, this woman takes a little yeast and adds it to a lot of flour, 27 kilograms to be exact. That's a lot. I mean, that's, that's enough for a pizzeria for one evening. And lets it work its way through the dough so that it can produce lots and lots of bread. Interesting again. See, the the seed often represents faith in the Bible, and bread often represents life. But results are the same in both parables. In the kingdom of God, God takes something small, and when it's put to work, it can become something large. Jesus knew that his followers would soon be asking themselves, is that it? After he went to the cross, They must be thinking to themselves, wow, that 
I mean, we were excited for a moment. We thought this was our time, but that was short-lived. But as we know, his death was the seed. And that with this small band of followers that remained at the day of Pentecost, they were wondering what hit them, what's happened to our dreams. They would become a kingdom-building movement that the world had never seen. And that kingdom-building movement was not built by might nor power, but by his spirit at work, growing that planted faith, spreading that life-giving yeast. Well, the latter of those two parables was on my mind, particularly recently, as me and my wife Lynn, we've been, like many others during this pandemic time, exploring the different ways to ferment things. And one of those things is making sourdough bread. And if you haven't heard about it, it's like a craze right now. Like everyone around the world seems to be making their own bread. And uh, I can understand why, because I love good bread. And so for me to, to do this was kind of fulfilling a dream to make my own sourdough. And I, I often spend a lot of money on, on good bread, if any of you know me. And we have a saying in England that it's the best thing since sliced bread. And it's just because literally it's seen as the pinnacle of British civilization. That's how much we love bread in England. Well, actually, the bread in England, if you ask me, isn't generally very good, but people buy a lot of it. And so if you aren't familiar with sourdough, maybe you've been living under a rock um, or you're gluten intolerant. God bless you. I'm praying for you. Um, but it's, an, it's the best bread. I mean, sourdough is amazing. And people, like I said, spend a lot of money buying this really good quality bread. It's an older way of making bread that they say dates back to the ancient Egyptian times. It is where you make the dough without ready-made yeast, but instead naturally occurring wild bacteria. Sounds pretty gross, but actually it's delicious. And you can create this, uh, what they call a culture, um, with um, a starter. And we all know, of course, we all know that bread is mentioned 492 times in the Bible. Okay, Adam didn't know that. Well, now you know. That's a good one to save next time you have some Bible trivia. 492 times in the Bible. So bread is kind of a big theme in the Bible. Well, in the Bible, you can read about something they call leaven, which is created from your starter. Basically, you have this starter, and from that, you make portions of leaven, which you could then make dough with. Um, well, in the Bible, you can, you can actually hear in the story of Exodus how the Hebrew slaves... They were in such a rush to leave Egypt and escape from Egypt that they didn't even have time to break, uh, to bake with leaven. So they, they made unleavened bread. And so they continue to actually commemorate that event of Exodus and their deliverance by eating unleavened bread at their festive, uh, festival of Passover. Bit of uh, also interesting trivia information there. And that's the thing about sourdough baking. It takes time. And so obviously with the advent of the 20th century, a time-intensive process gave way to quick-rising commercial yeast baking, a little bit of history there. And the result, if you ask me, in the modern bread is that it's pretty bland tasting. But fortunately, during this uh, pandemic, I've been afforded the opportunity to discover this amazing process of making sourdough bread. And it's given me the opportunity to discover the beauty that is found in this time 
heavy process. Victorian artist and critic John Ruskin said he desired readers to be people of sight, not of pace. His point in all of that was that beauty demands our time and attention to see. And beautiful things require time to make. If you ask me, there isn't much more satisfying things than baking your own bread and getting that fresh bread out of the oven where it's just warm and it's amazing. I, I'm actually getting hungry now just thinking about it. The whole process, if you ask me, is therapeutic. And I think that's why it's been so popular during these lockdown times. But it is time consuming, this whole process of baking bread. And it got me thinking of a few truths. You see, baking or cooking something good, it always takes time. It takes commitment and it takes perseverance to get the good results that you really want. And I have an example of this recently. So many of you know Isaiah, he's from Nigeria, and um, he offered, or actually I, I kind of, uh, I demanded that he make jollof, Nigerian jollof rice for me because I've always wanted to try it. And so I bought the ingredients and he agreed to make it after Connect Group. And so we cooked it in my kitchen and um, I didn't realize how much goes into making this uh, jollof rice, but it was a really long process. And I kind of felt like that annoying kid in the backseat of a car asking, is it ready yet? Can we eat now? Like every moment, like, like every stage of the process of making this jollof rice, I thought we were done. And I just, I just wanted to speed up the process. But Isaiah, he was like really calm and chilled. He was like, you know, you just got to respect the process. And he was holding to the traditions that have been handed down to him through the generations and making this jollof rice. And I can tell you that it was definitely worth it. It tasted fantastic. And it got me so excited that I, we had a little bit of ingredients left over. So the next day I thought, right, I'm going to do it myself. But this time I'm going to do it my way. So I'm going to cut some corners. I'm going to be more efficient. I'm going to do stuff in parallel. I'm going to skip this part, and I'm going to be able to do this in no time. Well, surprise, surprise, the results weren't half as good as what Isaiah had done. And so I just realized in that moment that sticking to these traditional recipes, it might stretch our capacity of patience, and it, it does. But it's that fruit of the Spirit that is so opposite to our rushed, hectic, modern wiring that I feel like many of us struggle with. When you start baking sourdough, you divide your starter that I talked about, the thing that you start with, into portions of leaven for each dough that you want to make. And it's kind of like your measure of faith that we all receive as believers. It's that little bit of leaven that can make the bread rise, expand, grow, and mature. It's really where the magic happens. But the thing is, you have to feed that starter. You have to feed your source in this case, flour, oil, and water. But I think there's a spiritual truth there. You have to feed it or it will die. You have to be devoted to that task in order to have something to enjoy and to be proud of at the end, to run your race, as we often talk about. There's a lot of waiting on the leaven to take effect, but in between, there's a process of stretching the dough, of folding of the dough, and each time the dough rises a little more until finally being ready to be baked. What I've learned is that bread making cultivates both patience and expectations. Attention that requires us to slow down, to pay attention, to see what's going on in the moment. And being a part of this church for the past 11 years, 
I myself have had to learn patience in the process. I was probably like Jesus' followers back in the day. You know, I expected things sooner or later to blow up big. And sometimes I was left kind of asking myself the question, is this really it, God? Is, is, this, is this as far as we go? But every time I do, every time I get to that kind of place of discouragement as a church builder, I feel like God's just encouraging me to stay patient and to trust the process. And he reminds me of his goodness. He reminds me of his character and his faithfulness, as Quinton spoke about last week. And occasionally in the life of the church, I see some bubbles of activity. I see, I see God on the move. I see a rise in, in an individual, a rise of faith. I, I see the folds. I, I see the moments and I take notice and I get encouraged that God is at work. I see that God is at work in our midst, just like the leaven working its way through the dough. The process of making sourdough bread is such a great picture for me of God's church. It's a patient ferment taking place. There's a fantastic book, I can't remember the author, I'm actually reading through it right now, called The Patient Ferment of the Early Church. It starts with something so small as a little yeast, but over time with commitment, that life-giving source can work its way through every corner of our life and produce spectacular results. Now, just as I come to a close now, I just want to leave you with this, what I believe is really a key, is that we have to realize that each and every one of us has been given this responsibility. To feed the starter of our faith. We've all been given a measure of faith and we are responsible for feeding that. We are responsible for going to a place of faith, for for stirring up our, our passion for the things of God to see that is attended to, that we continue to work out the folds in our life, the issues, the, the, our pitfalls, to, to work out our salvation, to ensure that something, like I spoke about a few weeks, is bubbling up on the inside, that there's something, some passion from God that, it, that is motivating you and driving you forward in, you, in your journey of faith. If we do that, if we stay committed, just as pastors Phil and Chris did from their testimony, if we can be patient because we know that God's kingdom starts with the small and leads always to something significant. The early church knew this. They were committed to discipleship, which incidentally is the topic of our next series coming up. They believed in patience passionately. They, were, they weren't stressed to convert the world. But instead, they were dedicated to being the converted for Jesus. It was a commitment to a patient transformation. They recognized that as his church, they were agents of change, just like the yeast. They believed it was their transformed lives that would influence their world around them and not their arguments. It was fermentation at work. As Pastor Phil said last week, the journey of faith, the bottom line is we are disciples first. That's crucial. We have to be about God's business if it's him that we are professing to follow. Our world needs us to be salt and light. For all those problems and and issues that are highlighted at the beginning of the service, 
The answer is his local church. We are his church. It's our church. It's our responsibility. It's our city, our world, our nation, our responsibility. The onus is on us. God is asking us, will you take those first steps? Will you join in these faith initiatives, church? Our world needs us to be salt and light. You know, in that passage of the Bible, when it talks about salt and light, it's crucial that we recognize that the passage is saying, you are the salt, you are the light. See, because often we think that God will do something outside of us, that God will solve this or solve that in his amazing power. But actually, he's looking to work through us, that he has, he has called us out to make a difference in this world, to be the salt and light in the place that we find ourselves. But it starts with our commitment to be faithful and allow God and the work of his spirit in us to make a difference. So my challenge to us, indeed to myself included in that, is let's plant a seed of faith in the garden of our hearts this year. Let's allow the word of God to work through the substance of our lives, to bring about a change in us, to bring about a maturity in us for the benefit of those around us, the benefit of our colleagues, our, our um, classmates, our family, our community, our church, our world. You know, hearing these faith initiatives in, an, in the light of what you perhaps have written on your dream cards for 2021, how, ask yourself this question, how can you put the leaven of faith into action? What steps can you take? Because as we've learned, you don't need the faith for the large. You don't need to know where it's going. You just need to put it to work. You just need to get started with what you know, what you can see right now. Maybe you, you don't know how C3 Lund is going to work out, but maybe you can help out and say, hey, I want to support you in prayer, or I want to support you financially, or I want to help practically, Matthew and Christelle. How can I, how can I be of help? Maybe I can do something small and be a part of something large. Maybe it's the same for City Hearts. You just, you, you're maybe not the person to carry the, the heavy weight, but maybe you can help in a, in a smaller way. Whatever it is, is a, if, even if it's a small, might seem insignificant step, God can take those steps of faithfulness and lead to something significant. You have no idea where it might lead to. If you take those early steps, if, if you just put in the work and feed it and patiently attend to it, God will do immeasurably more than you could ask, think, or imagine. Okay, let's pray, church. Father, I thank you for that truth of your kingdom, for those parables that you can take something small and make something large from it. Lord God, I thank you that we do not need to be fearful of not knowing all the answers, of not knowing what the future holds, Lord God, but Lord, you are calling us to be faithful in the small things. And in time, you entrust us with the the great things, Lord God. I thank you, Father, that as a church, that together, Lord God, you have called us to a mission to this part of the world to make a difference, Lord God. And I believe, Lord, that your church can make a difference in this city. I believe your, your church can make a difference in Lund and in, 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 in this region, Lord God. I want to put a limitation on what we're capable of as a church, Lord, when we're committed to the process, Lord, when we're patiently waiting on you and, and allowing you to to do your work through every area of our life, Lord God. So I just pray, Father, that you would encourage us and challenge us, Lord, to plant that seed, Lord God, to, to use that leaven of faith, Lord God, and see and 
and test you in these things, Lord, because we know that you are faithful, Lord. We know your character, Lord, that you don't give us anything but good gifts, Lord God. And so, Lord, we thank you and we give you praise for everything you're going to do in 2021 in our lives, in our family lives, and in this church, Lord God. We just commit all of this into your holy name, Lord. We thank you. Amen. So, church, I hope you were encouraged by today's message. As I said, if you've missed any of the previous Sundays, you can go and listen to it on our podcast. Just as Quinton said last week, maybe have a re-listen during the week on the podcast. Just allow God to speak to you and challenge you. I really believe that God is speaking to us at this time. And so I'd love to hear if you have any testimonies, if anything particularly you feel that God is saying to you at this time. It's always awesome to encourage each other in this way. Well, we'll be back here next week. Have a blessed Sunday and thank you for tuning in this morning. God bless.